don't even know what is good anymore. Uh, this is Defenders of the Bank. It's one in the morning. We just lost Campeones Cup, and it's the scarf. What's good, everybody? You know my voice. You know the frustration. You feel it, too. We're here with you. Defenders of the Bank, episode 277. Three chances. No cups. That's right. We got to watch a team celebrate on our pitch yet again. And with that, I bring in one Christian Philly Philemon, as I remember, to close the window here so neighbors don't get upset. One minute. <laughs> Words or creativity for that matter doesn't come easy on a night like tonight. We were all treated with a great game for the most part. For a split second, we had the joy and jubilation of triumph, only to have it snatched away due to a very mundane and silly technicality that really didn't give us any advantage on that run of play. We had anticipation, we had excitement, the anxiety, the joy, the nerves, and obviously the freaking heartbreak and the disappointment. But I'm not mad. I, I really can't be mad. You could hear it in my voice. I'm drained. I'm annoyed, upset, sure, but disappointed and, and, and gutted, especially for our boys. Because look, our guys played hard. No question that they played hard. There wasn't anybody out there that did not do what they could do for the crest. And for those of you out there that are saying, you know, this trophy or this cup doesn't matter, I beg to differ. You had two teams going up against one another that seemed to play otherwise. They came out to play, but. I think what disgusts me more than anything, and you said it earlier, just to witness two teams this season not called LAFC celebrate and raise a trophy in our house. And this is the third time we've actually bared witness to this, going back to 2019 in that matchup against Seattle. Ugh. I mean, it just if that if if seeing somebody else celebrate doesn't get under your skin, especially when it's in your own house, then I, I don't know what else to tell you, but just I think what annoys the crap out of me, though, right now, Scarf, is that we lose another cup final to the same freaking Tigres team. Literally the same Tigres team. Ten players returning from that 2020 team. And what annoys me, and it annoys me enough to not even want to drink Topo Chico. It's from Monterey. Same as Tigres and Monterey. And, oh, by the way, we lost to them. We've lost to three Liga Amekis teams. Two from Monterey, one from Leon. U.S. Cup, nope. CCL, double nope. Leagues Cup, triple nope. Campeones Cup, quadruple nope. Supporter Shield, Cover that sucker in Skyline Chile. And I know there is a shot that we could win the West and we could still have that opportunity to repeat Champions League next year and possibly MLS Cup, but I'm not feeling that optimistic at the moment. And I can legit say that I'm not going to have a lot of fun things to say on this podcast. Telling you right now, you are not getting a jovial Philly. Yeah, this one definitely hits different than the previous two cups that were in our grasp i i almost don't count the open cup because we didn't play like we wanted to win the open cup that's not true we didn't put out a roster we didn't put out an 18 or even 11 that made it clear that we wanted to win open cup and and look this is scarf hi i was wrong when i said we should do exactly what we did in the open cup play the kids and the recently loaned out eldon yakupovich in goal if anybody knows where eldon yakupovich was loaned out to uh, hit us up at Defenders of the Bank because it currently says he's loaned out. This one hits different because there wasn't a run-up of incredible victories and a great run of play to get here, right? I mean, yes, there was, but it was last year in 2022. 
when we steamrolled through MLS Cup playoffs, met Philly in an incredible final, not you, but the team, Philly, and uh, and, and earned our way into this matchup. But it's not like we went on a long run in League's Cup. It's not like we went on a long run in Champions League for it to end in defeat, in heartbreak, in frustration. This is a one-off, so it hits a little differently, but it still hits hard. And look, I we read social media, you guys. We have people hitting us up left and right on social media saying things like, Dolo out. This is the state of LAFC. We can't win the big games. Well, back up for just a minute. We won a lot of big games in 2022 to get us to the MLS Cup final, and then we won that. And that's with Steve Trundolo as coach. Yes, I think we have written a narrative for 2023 that will be incredibly hard to undo and rewrite unless we win the whole damn thing in MLS Cup. Even if we win the West and we somehow sneak our way into Champions League, if we don't win MLS Cup, this season is all for naught and a very frustrating all for naught because we had a chance to win so many trophies. But that being said, I agree with you, Philly. We didn't play badly in this game. In fact, I'll say this. This was the best that we have certainly looked since the Galaxy game. I know we haven't scored a goal. It's been almost 300 minutes, including stoppage time, since we have scored a goal. Timothy Tillman's goal in the 84th minute of the Galaxy game 12 days ago. That's the last time we scored a goal. Almost 300 minutes. But this game, this match, I'll say this. LAFC got punched in the mouth, and then all we did for the remainder of the game was punch back. It was actually an inspiring performance after the red card. That Cheeky Palacios was, I don't know, erroneously awarded. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I, I'm not upset at this performance, but I'm I'm just so you use the word, I used it on Twitter earlier, gutted. That's the word. Gutted. Yeah, I mean, it was a good game. I mean, we all we were treated to a very exciting game against two very good teams that came out to play. And I, I think what bothers me most in these kinds of situations is honestly, like, we love our club. That's something that we could all agree on. Now, yeah. our viewpoints on Dolo out, this and that, that that may differ. But I think what obviously, like, pains me is is how, like, our supporters and everybody on social media, it starts to cannibalize itself. Where people are out there throwing out takes and then people are combating one another. Like, I, I, I don't enjoy the negativity in, in that aspect of things. Like, I all we all come to this because we love the club, we love the atmosphere, we love the people around. It's a joy. You know what I mean? It takes us away from the mundane aspects of our regular lives, our 9 to 5s or this or that. Like whatever stresses we all have, whatever, you know, heavy burdens that we 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 have during the week or life or whatever the case for like 90 minutes, that doesn't matter. And that's obviously why we enjoy the sport, but since it's our club and it's something that we're so passionate about, it, it sucks in moments like this. We live off the highs and like we dwell in like the dumps 
And and I and that's just what I hate most about stuff like this. Like this Wednesday truly was like the highlight of this week for me. I was so looking forward to getting back to BMO Stadium because quite frankly, we don't have many more opportunities left. We have two more regular season games, one tailgate, really. And who knows what the hell is going to happen in playoffs? You know, we're currently in the position that we're in, but what's to say it doesn't flip topsy turvy with a couple of bad games and then the um obviously the help of other teams doing doing well. You know, there's no guarantee that we're locked in for for home field advantage at this point. And there and honestly, we shouldn't be pretentious and naive enough now to think that, you know, we are a lock because you said it. We haven't scored in three games. Granted, we haven't all we also haven't allowed any goals in three games either against three very tough opponents. But yeah, look, whatever your feels are, if you want Dolo out, voice it. I don't particularly believe in that. But I'm not going to sit here and judge anybody. I'm not going to call people out. I'm just, I'm just not going to play that game anymore. I'm going to be in my fields along with all of you right now. But yeah, this, this sucks. I hate losing more than anything. I grew up lo- rooting for losing franchises: the Mets, the Jets, the Knicks, the Islanders. Like LAFC was like my thing. LAFC and obviously like the German national team, and obviously you know the, the Bundesliga teams that we're looking at right now. But in terms of like here in the U.S. I don't have a team that succeeds. LAFC was it for me. And I take losing very personal and it just sucks right now, man. It's, it's blah. That's off the Tigres though. They, they won. If you're watching on YouTube right now, I'm holding up a package of four Oreo cookies Four. it's called Oreo. The most stuff, not like double stuff, but the most family friendly scarf. Yeah, yeah. Here I'm going to hold up. Look at the size of this cookie. It's one cookie. I didn't do anything to it. I didn't stack five Oreos on top of one another. Sometimes when I'm sad, I, I like to like to enjoy an Oreo cookie. And, and I'm sad. I'm frustrated. But that being said, one thing I'm not sad about, and we got to get this out of the way because we got to remember to do this because they help pay our bills, so we're going to help pay their bills. We are as depressed, frustrated, gutted as it seems we are still part of the flex family and that makes us extremely happy we do love being part of the flex family head on over to flexpowertools.com for all of your flex power tools needs y'all it is september 28th it is getting closer and closer and closer to december 31st and that is when the full lifetime warranty on all flex power tools will end if you don't buy it before december 31st it's not going to happen folks So please remember, head on over to flexpowertools.com for all your flex power tools needs. We love you, and we appreciate being part of the Flex family. And as always, head on over to lafc.com backslash mo-fascio to donate to the Mo-Fascio Futsal Court Foundation. We got to get this court built. We got to get it done in Mo's honor. So the link to donate is, again, lafc.com backslash mo-fascio. And of course, it being September, we want to remind you that the MLS's Kick Childhood Cancer campaign is going on. Head on over to DonateKCC.com to make a donation to MLS's Kick Childhood Cancer Initiative and all of the funds go to the Children's Oncology Group Foundation. We hope you guys enjoyed our Getting to Know Tigres pod that we released just a couple of nights ago. It seems like only yesterday, Philly, because it was. It was. Only yesterday. Normally, we would have this day in LAFC history, but uh, you know what? I, I didn't want to do it tonight. I'm not doing it. So instead, I'm going to kick it over to Philly. Dateline uh, news. 
in the Red and Gold Partnership. Philly, you are all things Red and Gold Partnership here on Defenders of the Bank. So, Philly, take it away. It would appear to be so. I seem to be the Bayern LAFC connection here, and I take that uh, with a lot of pride and uh and uh, and thankfulness and humbleness. So that red and gold partnership, if you recall, a couple of months ago was a partnership, a 50-50 partnership between Bayern Munich and LAFC for the sole purpose of developing players between both MLS and Bundesliga and uh, giving players just an ability to participate and obviously shine on other stages. Well, that partnership is now done something and we're a little worried about that considering the red and gold partnership came as a result of Oliver Kahn's doing and he obviously got unceremoniously ousted after Bayern Munich ended up winning their 11th straight Bundesliga title 33rd overall but red and gold football partners with the Gambinos not the uh, Italian crime family in New York stars Africa for talent development in West Africa and this is obviously a very renowned football academy in the Gambia now the partnership itself will provide players of this youth academy and other Western African nations with a quote-unquote controlled, self-determined path to the top European leagues as well as Major League Soccer here in the United States. Now, if you think about some of the uh, countries that are in West Africa, you got Senegal, Nigeria, Ivory Coast, and Ghana. There are a lot of tremendous players that have come there. I mean, you could think of Sadio Mane and Napoli's Koulibaly. Uh, you could think of like some of the players that we've had from Ghana, um, obviously in the likes of Latif Blessing and, and and Mahala. But I'm thinking in particular like Thomas Partey, who uh, Atletico Madrid. You think of Nigeria, you could think of uh, Ndidi from Leicester City. Uh, you, Ivory Coast, you can think of Zaha, who had played for a little while at Manchester United and obviously is doing things at Crystal Palace. There is a lot of tremendous talent in that part of the world. And I think it is a very smart thing to do to partner, to get this partnership going and to plant a flag there and start developing some of these other kids. Cause who knows, maybe in some way, shape or form, we can cultivate and find the next Sadio Mane or, or obviously Bayern Munich could as well. It is a 50, 50 partnership after all, but I think it is smart. And that's something that MLS has started to do better is recruit young, talented players from the likes of South America. A lot of the focus has been on South America people, but people can't sleep on Africa, man. There's a lot of tremendous talent that rolls out of Africa. And obviously the point of partnering with Gambino stars of Africa in the Gambia is to find cultivate, these kids from Western Africa, again, Senegal, Nigeria, Ivory Coast, and Ghana, football hotbed, and maybe we can have the next Sadio Mane on our team. Dude, Mamadou Fall, Kwadwa Mahala Opoku, Latif Blessing. I mean, our club has been direct, directly benefited by the talent that comes out of that part of Africa. Two fun facts, Philly. Uh, I don't know if you knew this. I am actually uh, related to the Gambino family. True story. Uh, they're they're on my mother's side. And uh I, I actually had to look this up because I, I was pretty stoked to learn when you, you told me about it before and you kept saying the Gambia, the Gambia. I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it right. Gambia, Gambia, not sure. But there's the the in front of it. It's one of the few countries that actually do. Uh, they do use the, that direct article, the definite article, the. That's I didn't know that. I've always called it Gambia, not the Gambia. And so I appreciate you, Philly. You're making me a little bit smarter today by adding the the in front of Gambia. So there you go. I, I like it. Look, You're uh, welcome. He, yeah. See, look at that. I uh, wanted to do a quick check in on Jose Cifuentes. 
We think we've played a lot of matches recently. He played three matches this week, and he actually played in all three for Rangers. Rangers playing in three matches over the last seven days in three different competitions. On September 21st, they won their Europa League group stage match over Real Betis, one nothing, in which Sifu played a solid 81 minutes in the win. He started and played the first 81. Three days later, on the 24th, Rangers prevailed again, one nothing. this time over Motherwell in the Scottish Premiership. That was a Scottish Premiership match. Sifu started and played 78 minutes in that one. And finally today, September 27th, because we are recording this on, well, now it's tomorrow. Uh, but September 27th, in a Scottish League Cup quarterfinal match, Sifu started and played the full 90 in a 4 nothing thumping of Livingston. So in case you're keeping track, that was three matches, three starts in seven days for Jose Cifuentes, 249 minutes played and three wins by a total score of 6 nothing. And by all accounts, from what I've read and seen, they are getting happier and happier with their performance of one Jose Cifuentes. And Philly, we were watching it in Founders Club. Houston taking down the messy list Miami Club 2-1 in the U.S. Open Cup final. You and I were lamenting our 2018 Open Cup run in which we fell at the hands of Houston on PKs in 2018. They went on to win it uh, over Philadelphia Union that year. And here they win their second U.S. Open Cup in uh, the last six years, which is coincidentally, since we've been around, you have to think with Jordi Alba and Lionel Messi not playing in that match, it definitely changed things. But Miami feels like they can win pretty much every match. But either way, congrats to Houston on their U.S. Open Cup win. Philly, you have any, any thoughts on the U.S. Open Cup by any chance? Uh, I mean, I like the U.S. Open Cup in terms of the format. I'd like to go further along Congratulations to the Dynamo. That's uh, they now can say they have two U.S. Open Cup champions uh, ships to go along with their MLS Cup championships. Oh six and oh sevens when they won MLS Cup. You said it. The U.S. Open Cup they won in eighteen and twenty three. Whoopity do! Congratulations to the Orange <laughs> Crushes. All right, our Angel City. They're gonna be a tough team, by the way, to face in the playoffs. Like I would not want to face Houston this season. Karaskia, Hector Herrera. They got a lot of good things going on down there in Houston. Corey Baird. Sure. Cor- Corey Baird is also on the team. Yes. Their their next match, uh, Angel City's next match is at home at BMO Monday, October second versus the Orlando Pride. Angel City. You guys, this has been a really fun story this season. And it's something positive that we're going to talk about for just two and a half more seconds. Angel City sits just one point below the playoff line with three matches left and still have not lost in the Becky Tweed era. You guys, we only have two more home matches left in our season. We only have two more home matches left in the Angel City season. Grab a ticket. Get out there. It's actually a lot of fun. And they're they're in a playoff push. A team that is certainly not in a playoff push, unfortunately, was LAFC 2 they closed out their season with a one nothing loss at PayPal Park in San Jose on September 24th. And look, this isn't going to sound good, but out of 27 teams, they finished 25th. Hey, they were on pace to be like by far the worst team. And then Coach Enrique Duran, uh, they turned it around there. They got a little bit more uh, of an influx of outside talent. In their 28 matches, yes, they lost 15, but six wins and seven draws. But fret not, Philly. I know you're fretting. I can see you fretting. Don't fret. 
Galaxy 2 finished 26th overall. That's right. They were somehow worse than we were with just five wins in their 28 matches. And the Galaxy 2 gave up a league worth 74 goals and a minus 38 goal differential. Gross. All right, that's all I got. That's the end of news and notes. We're uh, we're 20 minutes in. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. Yep. Let's get it get it over with the uh, Tigres. We talked about them the other day on One More Sleep, and thank you to those that downloaded that episode. Still, the amount of people that listen to the audio as compared to the YouTube is staggering. Uh, obviously, in a city that's very car-centric, I get the fact that you're better off listening to us than looking at us. Hey, but, uh, you know, those viewership numbers would be great because then it wouldn't really make me feel like we truly do have faces for radio. Um, that being said, Tigres is a team that we squared off with in 2020. They beat us, as you recall, in the CONCACAF Champions League final. Hugo Ayala and Andre Pierre Gignac put the nail in our coffin after Diego Rossi scored a great goal, all goals being in the second half. Uh, Tigres went on to compete against Bayern Munich in the FIFA Club World Cup. 59th minute, though, Benjamin Pavard from Bayern Munich slammed the door shut on Tuco Ferretti's Tigres club. But since then, they've gone on to do really good things and and win some games and, and do some stuff with a team that, for the most part, has stayed intact since 2020. This Tigres team that we squared off against brought back 10 players that we saw back in 2020, along with their talisman, the Frenchman, former Olympic Marseille legend in France international, Andre Pierre Gignac, the uh, the magic man himself. What's going on here? Am I frozen? I, I can hear you just fine. Can you hear oh, me? That's weird. It looks like I'm frozen. Do you it, see me moving? I don't see you moving, but I can hear that, that soft baritone voice of yours. That's uh, that's fascinating. All right. Well, you continue on, and I'll see what the dilly here is, because I'm seeing the little orange spindle going on. How am I having All technical right. difficulties at 2 in the freaking morning? Anyway, yeah, you know carry on real quick while I'm trying to fix this thing. I got you, buddy. The uh, that loss that we uh, fell when we fell to them in the 2020 Concacaf Champions League final, that was played in front of absolutely nobody in Orlando at Exploria Stadium, December 22nd, 2020. Because of course, COVID was in the middle of taking over the world, so that match played in front of nobody. Uh, Tigres plays in this match by way of winning the Campeón de Campeones of Liga MX in 2022. And this is actually the second time that they have played in the final of this uh, the uh, cup. Uh, they won the inaugural edition of this back in 2018. The Campeones Cup defeating that legendary 2018 Toronto club on Toronto's home turf of BMO Field rather than BMO Stadium, they're the only Liga MX club to even play for Campeones Cup twice, let alone now win it twice. Tigres, one of the class teams of Liga MX, and we talked about it. It starts and ends with players like Andre Pierre Gignac. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know where Philly, Philly, are you? Hey, I see a Philly. I hear you. It's just weird. The screen is just, I don't know, man. I don't know. Can you still hear me? I can hear you just fine, buddy. All right. I'm going to try something. If I disappear, I'll be right back. All right. I'll talk about the manager 
for Tigres. His name is Robert Saboldi. He was a keeper for Tigres from 1997 to 1999, but not a very good keeper if we're being completely honest. 100 goals against in just 66 matches with just 14 clean sheets in those 66 matches. But luckily for Tigres, he is a much better coach. This is his 28th match that he has led Tigres into battle. And in 27 prior matches, he's lost just six and outscored the opposition by 20 goals. That's right, 20 goals in those 27 matches. Not a bad goal differential. Uh, look, Saboldi is, is – they go through coaches. They go through headmen in Liga Emekis quite a bit quicker than they do in Major League Soccer. Uh, but Saboldi seems to be a guy that they're going to run with for just a little bit. He's brought in a ton of new talent, which we'll talk about once we get into the roster. Uh, I will try and, I don't know, stall for maybe another minute or two. Philly, are you, are you still there? You're frozen on my screen. but it's I don't know, man. Like I hear you fine for what reasons unbeknownst to me. This thing is just not cooperating. Well, you, you, we're going to keep going. What do you think? I mean, if you hear me, then that's fine. Obviously, from a visual perspective, it's going to be pretty stinky. I mean, you still look cute. How? I, I thought you said I'm not. I'm not on the screen. No, you're you're just not moving on the screen. I can. It's a. You have your eyes closed. Whoa, we lost Philly. All right, we'll see what happens if Philly's able to come back. Sorry, guys, for the technical difficulties. But what I will do is I will go through the lineup for Tigres. Hopefully by that time that I'm done with the lineup, Philly will be back. Otherwise, it's going to be a very interesting episode. We love you guys. Uh, goalkeeper Nahuel Guzman, a practitioner of football's dark arts of the unfortunate finest order and an absolute Tigres legend, 433 matches for Tigres, 401 goals allowed. Yeah, we talked about Robert Saboldi, the former keeper from Tigres from 97 to 99, giving up 100 goals in just 66 matches. That's a lot more than one per match. Well, Nahuel Guzman does not give up many goals at all. 433 matches, 401 goals allowed. That's far fewer than one goal per match. 173 clean sheets for Tigres in his career. Nahuel Guzman also known as the magic man. He does all kinds of tomfoolery and shenanigans. We'll talk about some stuff that he did towards the end of the match, which was absolutely uncalled for. The, the dude is, uh, I talked about him as kind of being like a, uh, almost like a Dennis Rodman type guy where he gets so under your skin, but if he is on your club, you absolutely love the guy. Uh, but uh, he's not on our club and I can't stand him. Nahuel Guzman not my favorite dude. Uh, defender Javier Aquino pairing on the back line with Guido Pizarro. Only 416 matches with Tigres for the defender Guido Pizarro. Defender Diego Reyes, 31-year-old with 65 caps for El Tree. He's played all over Tigres, America, Porto, Espanol, Real Sociedad, Fenerbahce. Diego Reyes has played literally everywhere. And rounding out the back for Jesus Angulo for Tigres. In the midfield, they run a 4-4-2, by the way. So four midfielders coming up. Luis Quinones, who is easily my least favorite player in this match and a player that 
I mean, he's part of the diving team. He's part of the acting club, the the drama theater group. Uh, he's just so frustrating. I mean, obviously, he's a very talented player with 23 goals, 52 assists in his 217 matches with Tigres. But, man, I can't stand the way he plays. Midfielder Rafael Carioca, 266 matches with Tigres. Five red cards coming into this match. I mentioned that for a reason, Carioca with five red cards coming into it. There's a Philly. Look at this, folks. Also in the midfield, Fernando Gorioran and Diego Linez, 23 years old with 26 caps already for El Tri. 30 matches, but he's been a little disappointing in Tigres colors uh, versus the way he's played for El Tri. Sebastian Cordova, 14 goals, nine assists for Tigres in 67 matches. If we had players to watch, he would have been mine. And a player who really did not put his stamp on this match at all. Kudos. Kudos to Steve Chirundolo and the coaching staff for slowing down one of the great players in CONCACAF, making his 350th cap with Tigres, Andre Pierre Gignac. He is a legend. Just to give you an idea of where he sits all time in Tigres lore. The number two scorer all-time in Tigres history has 77 goals. Gignac has 196. 196 to 77. And, oh, by the way, he's not known as an assist guy, but his 48 assists have him just seven from the all-time lead in Tigres history. It's very simple. Find where you want to place it. Build the statue. Andre-Pierre Gignac is that good all-time. In their 18, four players that we'll mention, Marcelo Flores, the 19-year-old with three senior caps for El Tree, even though he was born in the Great White North of El Maple Tree. Uh, Juan Pablo Vigon, Samir Caetano, and Nico Ibanez. We're going to talk about that guy in a little bit. And Philly, uh, you're back. I went through the roster for Tigres, which means I get to tag you in, my friend, to do the roster and the lineup. For AFC. If I wasn't annoyed prior, I am certainly annoyed now. I'm glad this recording kept going. Yeah. I, uh, here I am giving a spiel about how I would love to up the viewers in terms of YouTube, and then all of a sudden the video stalls. I'm going to blame Guzman on this and his ma- magic. I think you're trying to do whatever you can to up the viewers. If, if you're, if you, maybe you think it's if you getting off screen ups the viewers, maybe I'll try right now. I'll go off screen. We'll see where we get more viewers per minute. I don't know what could happen. We'll try new things. Why not? I don't know. It's Guzman's fault. I'm going to blame all things that happen inconspicuously on him and his and his stupid haircut. It's funny. In the comments, when we were going over all the yellow cards, uh, at some point, somebody made the comment that he, Guzman should have gotten a yellow card for that crappy haircut. And you know what? <laughs> if I ever look stupid with anything I do with my hair, and you might argue that I do already, let me know because I don't want to look as stupid as Guzman does with that crap mohawk he has. Ugh, that's just gross. Uh, as far as... Uh, excuse me. I don't yeah. think you could because ISIS takes care of you, my friend. Yeah, shout out ISIS, black and gold, nothing beloved. She uh, she takes great care of me. But obviously, if I ever do anything silly with my hair, you, you got to let me know. You can't let me walk out of the house looking like Guzman. I'll let you know. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. As far as LAFC's lineup is concerned, and it doesn't seem like I'm stalling now, so the technology is back to snuff. In between the pipes, Maxime Crepo coming off of a couple of clean sheets and matches against St. Louis and the Philadelphia Union. So he's coming back, and he's coming back strong. A back line consisting of Ryan Hollingshead, Aaron Long, 
Giorgio Chiellini, who uh, with his encounter with Cordova later on in the game, just earned me even more respect than I had for him. And Chiqui Palacios, who was unceremoniously uh, red carded out of the game. Thanks to one Drew Fisher. Drew, if you hear this, you suck. In the midfield, we got Ilya Sanchez, Kellen Acosta. Then we've got Christian Oliveira, Carlos Vela, Mati Bogush, and Denis Bowanga rounding it out. As far as the 18 is concerned, players that are going to be worth noting are players that are going to be that are that are going to be entering in the game. We did have John McCarthy make an appearance today, doing what we normally count on him to do his best. More on that later. Sergi Palencia came in the game unceremoniously for the dismissal of Cheeky Palacios. We had Timothy Tillman, who uh, could have had one of the greatest assists in Campiones Cup history, and, and Stipe Buke rounding it all out. So that's Steve Chirondolo's team. That's the team that he picked to start. That's the team that we thought was going to give Tigres hell. And let's be honest, they certainly gave Tigres hell. This was a, a very good performance by LAFC in a lot of ways. In some other ways, not necessarily, but uh, no Mario Gonzalez. That's one thing that I was very much surprised in. Scarf, you would ask Steve during the press conference about Mario. Yesterday in the media guide, I didn't see anything indicating any load management or any lower extremity. I don't know what was changed today. What was it? I missed out on that. Yeah, I asked Steve Toronto a point blank. Hey, Mario Gonzalez, not in the 18 last match, not in the 18 this match, even though he was listed on the overall roster that was submitted for Campeones Cup. And he said, we'll find out in the next couple of days if he will be available for the next match. Uh, did not elaborate on any type of injury or uh, soreness or, or nothing. Hell, maybe even status. I mean, he... He's, I don't think he got hurt. I didn't hear anything about him getting hurt. I mean, he's obviously been less than stellar. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's a mystery what happened to El Agua Pistolero. Uh, but we'll see. We'll El Vanishing Pistolero. Uh, Philly, I got a question for you. There were 20,605 pitch side today at BMO Stadium. How did that one guy get a bottle of tequila like a nice bottle of tequila. Was that Clase Azul? What was that that they got into? That was like field level. Did you see that? They got that no, beautiful. I really nice... missed that. Are you kidding? They So they show this guy pitch side on the Jumbotron for everybody to see. And he's holding up this bottle. I'm pretty sure it's Clase Azul. I, look, if, if we had the boozologist on here, he'd be able to tell. Yeah, it's Clase Azul. It's a $150 bottle of tequila. Although some website called Wooden Cork is selling one for $89.97. Uh, I might have to look at that. But yeah, Clase Azul's basic bottle, the white with the blue trim on it and everything. Dude is like shaking it and cheering and everything else. And all I'm thinking is, how? 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 <laughs> I, I mean, look, they showed him on the Jumbotron. I don't imagine he had it five minutes later and wasn't escorted out. But for, for a minute, I was a little jealous. Yeah, well, I can't say I was. It's uh, going on another 16 days dry spell. So I'm enjoying this uh, this this life of sobriety. I'm not going to go ahead and preach it to any of y'all because, I mean, it certainly is fun knocking back a few drinks, but I'm kind of enjoying seeing things clear-minded. You can only imagine the hate that I would be spewing on this microphone at this hour <laughs> of the day if I knocked back uh, a few tequila shots. You mentioned it, little less than, little less than 21,000 in attendance, so it was obviously not a sellout. And as we were going in, my biggest fear was not whether or not 
3252 would show up or people that love LAFC would show up. But I was a little worried about how much blue and orange we would see in and around BMO. Now, having rooted for the Knicks, the, uh, the Knicks, the Mets, and the Islanders, I love the colors blue and orange. But today, seeing those, that, those shades made me very sick to my stomach. But I'll tell you this. There weren't as many Tigres fans in attendance today as there were Leon fans. True. But it be, you know, just the Campeones Cup doesn't mean as much. Obviously, CCL is a lot more high profile than the Campeones Cup. Campeones Cup only started in 2018. CCLL, CCLL, <laughs> CCL has been around in some way, shape, or form rendition for, for a lot longer. And you can tell especially when you'd have the Tigres supporters sitting over there in the away section, when they would start cheering, you would hear BMO erupt in boos. You hardly heard the Tigres supporters until, well, the penalty kick situation where they finally clinched, clinched it. But I, I do want to commend, commend, is that a proper thing? I do want to applaud uh, everybody who came to BMO today. There was a vast majority of people wearing black and gold, and there wasn't as much blue and orange as I thought there would be. No, you are 100% correct on that. And I was worried because they had like a month to handle their travel plans. And as it was, I got to give props to some of the Tigres supporters up there and that little sliver that we give them. There was a banner from Dallas. There was a banner from San Antonio. There was a banner from Chicago. There was several different cities of Tigres supporters all had their party buses come all the way out to BMO Stadium for this match. Good on them. I do have to say something to the 3252. Holy heck. How'd y'all do it like that? We were frustrated. We were tired. And you guys, first of all, first 15 minutes. While LAFC was getting bullied all around the pitch in those first 15 minutes, what you guys were doing in the stands, in the North End, the 3252 really absolutely brought it for those first, I mean, look, they brought it for all 90 minutes. But for those first 15 minutes when our boys need a little bit more pick-me-up to literally pick themselves up off of the turf, the 3252 were absolutely incredible. But there was a point in the 90th minute when stoppage time was announced. I don't know where the 3252 found this other gear but it was some of the loudest I have ever heard BMO Stadium. And that was after 90 full minutes. And kudos to several of the 20,605 not in the North End because the entire stadium, for one of the very few times this season, the entire stadium got up to support this club. And I am so proud of our supporters Obviously, I'm proud of the 3252, the mouthpiece, the heartbeat, the lifeblood of the black and gold. But the rest of the stadium, good on you there in the 90th minute when we tried to will our boys to an improbable victory. Unfortunately, not a lot would happen. Philly, it really, the first 15 minutes or so was just us getting bodied up by Tigres over and over again. Yeah, I mean, even Danny got bodied out. He got dispossessed relatively easy in the box. I mean, the only thing that happened within the first 15 or so is you had a big shot by Quinones uh, that Max got a paw on, and Quinones made that play as a result of him stripping Mati Bogush. Quinones, insert whatever word you want to use to describe him, how he fell on the ground, flailing and frailing and 
it's just, I just, I hate that. I hate those dark arts so much. To me, it shows a lack of, man, a lack of cojones, if you want to, if, if I could be so blunt as to say it. I hate that with such passion. But that was the only thing we saw within the first, uh, within the first few minutes. Did you stop your Oreo? <laughs> did, did you stop talking because you saw me try to eat this Oreo? No, no, I'll keep going. So, I mean, I, I'm pretty good. I mean, there's like, I, I don't want to go minute by minute in a zero zero game again. I will just, I, I want to talk about all right. That's cool. why I went through the first 15. I said, we're all right, just cool. getting- 25th minute, then I'm shooting it up even higher. Christian, Let's Oliver, go. what? Let's cool. go. Right. I like it. Let's Oliver go. Created a nice opportunity for himself on the sideline with a cross in the box. There was a little bit of confusion between whoever was in there for LAFC and Tigres, but ball comes outside and Denny gets his first clear look. Uh, Mati looked like he was calling for it to the left and Carlos, I think was available a little further, but then he decided to go for it. And well, Tigres's defense Batting down the hatches quite well on him. To see Denny get bodied off of the ball as easily as he did spoke volumes. Again, this is a Tigres team that is full of veterans that have won titles, many, many titles together. So anytime there was any kind of action or drama in the box, they played very controlled, compo- uh, uh, composed, and poised. So it's, it was shocking to see the likes of Denny Buanga just getting bodied off like that. Yeah, look, you, you mentioned Denny with that shot that was saved pretty easily by Guzman. And then right after that, I got to say, one of the bright points of this match to me is the 1v1 defending by our defenders for the entire 90 minutes plus stoppage. And I thought in the 27th minute, there were two incredible examples. First, you had Aaron Long. Then you had Cheeky Palacios. Those boys were absolutely answering the bell every single time there was a 1v1 challenge. Not just Giorgio Chiellini, and Giorgio, for for most of this match, was absolutely fantastic, and to me, the absolute lifeblood and rock of our back line. In the 28th minute, by the way, Giorgio just tried to take on everybody. We got got to see pissed-off Juventus Giorgio Chiellini, vintage Champions League Giorgio Chiellini, captain of the Italian national team, the Azzurri, Giorgio Chiellini out there tonight. He was leading by example with his fire and his passion and his grit. And then he gets up and hugs the guy. But whatever, that doesn't matter. He was leading by example with his fire and his passion and his grit. Look, if by leading with example, you mean pushing Cordova, then kicking a ball directly at him, then I am all for it. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm just, look. Giorgio, we had mentioned this, Philly. You and I talked about this. Giorgio is the one player on LAFC, with all due respect to anything that Carlos Vela has accomplished, with all due respect to everything that Ilya Sanchez or, or that Kellen Acosta or that Denny Bowanga has accomplished. It's Giorgio who's going to be the guy that should step up in these situations because he has been in this battle. He has tested He has done these things before at the highest level. And I thought the minute we needed Giorgio to step up, he showed up and showed out today in terms of being a leader out there on the pitch. And it wasn't just all hugs. Giorgio wasn't that like typical kind of mood that he is where, oh, I'm helping everybody up and, oh, I'm happy-go-lucky. No, Giorgio was pissed off today and Giorgio wanted to win this title. No, he did. (laughs) And he did, like you said, just have a display of sportsmanship when he, you know, him and Cordova made up 
But that obviously put a chip on Cordova's shoulder because uh, moments later on a run, he takes the ball away from McKellen Acosta and fires a shot that, well, it gets hit off of us and into the corner. He was he was a pest, but not as much as Quinones was. And by pest, I mean just Mati simply touching him later on in between the 40th minute and the end of the game. Him screaming for bloody murder after simply getting tapped. Quinones, you suck, bro. Yeah, 38th minute, that dive. That dive, he just sat, he lied down on the ground. Uh, referee saw it right away. And then the coach, by the way, goes off, leaves his coaching box, steps out right off the the, the touchline there. I don't understand. <sighs> Drew Fisher, man, I, I don't know what you're thinking by not giving yellows when some of these, these players crowd around, disrespect, go off like that. You got to take control of the match, and I thought he really missed a clear takeaway. In that 42nd minute, Philly, what was likely our best chance of the half was after a great takeaway by Cheeky Palacios. He plays it down the line for Kike Oliveira, and he cooks his defender but pushes the shot wide from close. I mean, Kike, you got to put that one on frame, my friend. I don't think uh, Nahuel Guzman would have been able to do anything with it, caught a little flat-footed. Other than that, you got a Tigres corner in the 44th, and it's Max who has to break up the pass. No stoppage time in the first half, Philly. And considering LAFC came into the match, first 15, 17 minutes kind of really being pushed around, our response and the way that we closed out the half, it was pretty optimistic going in the locker room. No, I would agree. I would completely agree. I had all the optimism in the world. My fear was they score first, then they wreck through us, or we just shell shock them, which I was expecting for it to happen at any point. And Kike made mince me out of Linez and Pizarro. We saw him do that in Philadelphia. That really was the only thing that happened in that game that was yeah. worth talking about as he sliced a couple of defenders. So if he could do that, stick with it, and get shots on frame and find the back of the net, I know this isn't really asking for too much. This is what you're getting paid to do. <laughs> but um, sorry, the Gremlins are uh, exceptionally loud at 1.46 a.m. this Thursday, September 28th. Please. But it was a solid solid hustle by LAFC. We cannot deny the fact that they did not play hard. They certainly played hard. They played with a sense of urgency, albeit in some cases a little erratic. Tigres wasn't going to get into a running match with them. They were not going to win the game if they ended up doing that. This is a team that has some youth, but for the most part is made up of veterans that are well in their 30s. Their best player, albeit the fact that he's still in the golden boot race in Liga Mekis, is 37, 30-ish, 37-ish. Guzman in his 30s. Several players on the team in their 30s. And while, yes, Carlos Vela is in his 30s, we still had a much younger team, I believe. Uh, I'd have to go back and look at it statistically than Tigres did. I think you, you figured they were waiting. For us to kind of biff, but nah, not, not, not even the case itself because they had the lion's share of possession. Both teams equal between shots and shots on target. Three a pop, a one on target a pop. Passing 88% from Tigas. They were a much better passing team than we were. As I mentioned, they played composed uh, and, and very calm. LAFC doing things erratically, 82%. Yes, sir. Did you say composed? Did I say that? Yeah. <laughs> That's a it's a new word from Philly, composed. Hey, like there you it. go. What can I say? No, Webster, you know, you got to eat your heart out. I'm coming for you. I'm creating new words and I'm adding them to your dictionary. I like it. Second half, LAFC came out 
Wait, before before that, screw Tigas, by the way, for taking their sweet time coming out of the locker room. Y'all were chilling up in Founders Club, but like they took forever to come out of the locker room. LAFC was ready to take the pitch. Tigas was nowhere to be found. I don't know if you caught on to that. Yeah, they did that a couple of times with uh, Nahuel sure. Guzman starting the PKs on his bench rather than over where he needs to be. It's the it's the dark arts, man. That's what, uh, look, LAFC needs to maybe take a page, maybe learn a little bit from this. We don't have to quite go full Liga Amekis with it, but I'm just saying it, some of these little little mind games can eventually start to wear down teams. I really thought LAFC was starting to wear down uh, Tigres in these first five, 10 minutes of the second half. In fact, we came out guns ablazing. Uh, LAFC playing really well in the 49th minute, as Ryan Holling said, earns a corner and then heads it right over the bar off of Kellen Acosta's corner kick. And then things begin to change a little bit in the 52nd minute when that absolute clown of a human being, Quinones, right in front of Steve Chirundolo goes down and it looked like a lot more acting than it was contact, that's for sure. But I, I don't know. I didn't see a lot of fouls from Cheeky Palacios in the match leading up to that. So I really was surprised when Drew Fisher went to his pocket for a yellow card there in the 52nd minute. I actually thought that in this match, Cheeky Palacios, up until that moment, had played with a much better head on his shoulders. If you guys have listened to any of the last 15, 20 episodes of Defenders of the Bank, you've heard me in particular talk about how Cheeky Palacios needs to play with a little bit more, I'll use Philly's word, composure when he's out there and and try not to pick up some of these stupid fouls and, and stupid yellows, especially in the middle of the pitch. I did not think this was an example of him playing too hot-headed I really enjoyed the way that Cheeky Palacios played up until this yellow card. Yeah, uh, the first yellow card I won't argue so much for. It's really the second one, but we'll get sure. into that in, in just a moment. Uh, you had a scenario where Aquino, it was a guilty party for a foul uh, on Kike Oliveira. I was going to say Kike Hernandez. <laughs> Kike <laughs> Oliveira outside of the box. Vela had a free kick, but it went right into the hands of Guzman. And then uh, 60th minute, you got you got Carlos coming back and playing some defense. And uh, LAFC on the run at one point in the 60th. Cheeky strips Quinones, passing directly to Kike Oliveira, and he ended up creating some space for himself and had a good, strong shot on Guzman, bottom shelf where Uncle Franz likes to keep his schnapps. And at that point, that was probably <laughs> LAFC's most solid attempt to that point. Uh, at that point of the game. Yeah, um, and it's... Uh, no, go ahead. Sorry. No, no yeah. go for it. I'm no, thinking of schnapps. And it's you're thinking about schnapps right now. And look, I, I think it's fitting that it was Cheeky Palacios that led that break. It was a turnover that he forced, a great run down the line from Kike. And I think that's really what we began to miss in the 63rd minute. Ten yards from the top of the box, a tripping foul called on Cheeky Palacios. And I I just I just didn't see the red. I, I I mean, look, obviously he was given a second yellow and you're going to get two yellows in a game. That's what gives you a red. I, I didn't see Cheeky really get all that upset and argue about it. We'll have to go back and look. I know Panda said on the replay, she was looking at on her phone that, that he barely even got any contact. It changed the entire match, Philly, when Cheeky Palacios gets this red card. And and this may surprise all of you. Maybe you didn't catch the match. Maybe you did. Here's my take on it. And I know Philly agrees. And more importantly, I know Steve Chirundolo agrees. When Cheeky Palacios got that yellow card in the 63rd minute, we 
outplayed them the entire rest of the match. Down a man, for, for a little bit anyway, we outplayed them for the entire rest of the match. No, you're you're right. I mean, I w- I literally wrote in my notes I was feeling confident in our team, and I was quite impressed with the way Cheeky was composing himself. But yeah, when he got booked for that second yellow, look, Aaron Long got burned by Cordova. That's what happened. Yeah. And then the uh, he Cordova backs up, and then Cheeky's obviously in the line. And dude, that call was weak sauce, smothered on a pansy panini. I mean, if there was ever a BS call in this match, that was it. And you're thinking, oh god, now we are going to be playing at a disadvantage. I say this obviously with dress. Drew Fisher. You said, you know, Gambino's earlier. You mentioned that, you know, you have some ties there. We're going to throw out some mafia terms there. Drew Fisher should have gone swimming with the fishes and been given a pair of concrete boots for that lousy, lame, stinking call because that very well could have changed the entire trajectory of the game. But unbeknownst to us, you're right. They played completely differently and uh, more aggressively. Steve quickly goes to the bench and subs in Sergi Palencia for Mati Bogush at this point. And then after that foul, resume, after play resumes, you have a free kick from Tigres by Zignac. Uh, shot bounce right to Maxime Cripo. And then minutes later, Linez with a shot that hits off one of our guys. But hey, match, Max catches it. I think it hit off a... Chiellini, but then 67th minute, some bad passing by Tigres, something we didn't say very often because it didn't happen very often in this match. Oliveira intercepts and plays it off to Carlos, Carlos to Denny. It hits off of Pizarro and now and now for a corner and, you know, boo, hiss at this point. Would have loved to have seen Guzman grovel on the grass because Denny got close and that deflection off of Pizarro would have put hit Guzman in a position where he would not have been able to make that play, just hit the side netting and we were oh so close yet again. Where Denny did not pass the ball very well, he certainly created some chances for himself in the second half. Reason number 7,203 why I'm not coaching and Steve Trondolo is, as soon as we got that red card, I thought Steve was going to substitute in maybe a defender back there to really slow the game down. He did. play <laughs> play. No, he did, but he didn't slow the game down. Yeah. He took out Mati Bogush. Which leaves, by the way, Ilya Sanchez and Kellen Acosta, two extremely veteran midfielders. That's a nice uh, way of putting it. You obviously lose some speed there with Mati coming off. But Sergi Palencia and Chiqui Palacios both know how to push up the field quite a bit and be part of the offense. And I think that's how we still saw Sergi used from time to time. Obviously, he didn't push up nearly as far as Chiqui had been pushing up over the first hour of the match. But it showed me that Steve still thought he could win this match down to 10 men. Made a couple of saves, or excuse me, made a couple of subs a little bit later. Tigres in the 75th. You got Vignon, or excuse me, uh, Vigon coming on for Gorillaran, and you have Flores, who I I know our our buddies Lalo and Gaston were very excited to see him play. Aren't their last names Flores? Yeah, but I don't think they're they're related, but they were awfully excited to see uh, this kid come on. He's just 19 years old, and he is going to be given the keys to the kingdom. I think for sure when André-Pierre Gignac moves on or retires, I think it might be Flores' job to lose. He comes on for Diego Linez. By the way, Diego Linez was the guy that Matt Miazga called very, very short. Uh, in that I remember that. U.S. versus Mexico match. And in the 77th, LAFC countering with Timothy Tillman coming on for Carlos Vela. And then Stipe Buke 
coming on for Kike Oliveira. I did not I did not think these subs were great, but I, I thought that what it did was it allowed LAFC to slow the match down a little bit. Uh, this is not going to be a newsflash for anybody. Stipe Buke, not nearly as fast or electric so far as Kike Oliveira, but a much better... Uh, is there such a thing as a holding forward? Because I think that might be what Stipe Buke has been for us for quite some time. But Tillman on... holding Carlos out Bella. for a better forward? Is that what you mean? <laughs> uh, Carlos Vela coming out for Timothy Tillman. Again, it showed me that we got it to 77 minutes, Philly. I think Steve Trundle was trying to push to get it just 13 more minutes to get it to PKs. Yeah, and this is where, uh, well, you had one of the cruelest things that could happen to any yeah. supporter, any any lover of this game, and any any fan of this team. You had a dead ball scenario where Chiellini passes it in. I believe he got the ball in Buke, and then you had a nice give and go between Denny and Tillman. A great pass. And then Denny creating some space for himself, kicks it off to the side. It curls in past Guzman. And oh my Lord, are we screaming in the air for joy? The, uh, the, P, the, the PA announcer got on. We saw Denny do his, his flip. We were all high fiving each other, screaming expletive, yeah, expletive, yeah, here, heck yeah, this. We were thrilled. And that's probably my, why my voice is still hoarse at that point. But then the cruelty of this sport kicks in to play now it took a while for this correction to take place on our scoreboard the goal was negated right and so officially it was the right call unofficially you could suck it drew fisher but the way the (laughs) ruling works is on that scenario where chiellini had it it needed to be a dead ball you can't take a touch on the ball uh you can't take a touch on the ball and then play it to yourself again he had to keep it stopped and just pass it off. He, he Chiellini stopped it, kicked it off to himself, and then played it off to Buke. Had he just had his hand down and passed it directly, we would have been good. But unfortunately, he gets whistled for like an improper start. Actually, I think he played it off to Palencia. My mistake, not Buke. And then it was off to the races. But uh, the, the ball needed to be in that scenario. And look, we, we scratched our heads there too. I mean, that was a technicality, a rule that I can't say I'd ever seen enforced often in my time watching this game. And I've been watching it since 1990 when I was 10 years old. I never saw anything like that. But him starting as quickly as he did had no impact on the play. It really didn't. I mean, the give and go, uh, we thought at one point it might have been considered offside, but it's just so brutal for this to get pulled back on a technicality. the um, If you keep your eye on Drew Fisher during the replay, after that goal was scored, he had his hand out, kind of like a, wait, hang on, that's not a legit thing. So he clearly saw that from the get-go. Again, the right call, but again, one way or another, suck it, Drew Fisher, you swim with the fishes. <laughs> that's the second time i believe it's sleep with the fishes but i could be wrong on that uh, yeah you're right swimming with the fishes would state that he's still uh, in motion you're right sleep <laughs> with the fishes that's better and, and look it took until the 82nd minute for the scoreboard inside bemo to start to reflect nil nil once again we're talking four full minutes of play look giorgio chiellini is probably replaying that in his head over and over and over again because he keeps us in matches. He does things for this club, and all he wants to do is help this club win trophies. It is a game where my middle schoolers play it on the playground all the time. It's called two-touch. It is a it is a very simple game where you're allowed two touches on a ball before you have to kick it to the wall. 
Maybe Giorgio just got confused, thought he was out there on the middle school blacktop playing two-touch. Maybe it was just that the ball started to trickle away and he hoped that nobody saw. I feel awful. I feel awful for Giorgio Chiellini on that one because he'll be the first to stand up in front of anybody and say, yeah, that was my bad. Normally you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. But with Giorgio Chiellini, unfortunately, it was just a moment of uh, of a lack of brilliance with the touch there. In the 82nd minute, Ibanez comes on for Cordova. And Ibanez will factor quite a bit into this match. But somebody who will also factor in quite a bit to this match is Rafael Carioca. And look, Philly, I love karaoke as much as anybody else. I'll sing all kinds of different songs, have a really good time. I was singing a really happy tune in the 85th minute when karaoke goes down uh, with a red card for Dogso. Denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity in the NBA. They call it the last man back or foul, whatever it is. It's a red card for Tigres as he takes down Denis Bawanga and Philly. It was 11 v 10 and we were out playing them. Well, now we get to even up the score in terms of players on the pitch. 10 v 10 for the last five minutes plus stoppage time. And I mean, a great free kick shot on target from the free kick by Denny Bowanga. I, I think Nahuel Guzman saw it all the way. I don't think it was a difficult save for Guzman, but he was able to, to push it and punch it over to his left. And then Philly, I know you've probably looked at this play a little bit more closely than I have in the 89th minute. Huh. It was cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria in the box, 77 different touches from players in Tigres jerseys in that 89th minute. Max was all over the place. I thought the ball went out of bounds at least once. I'm not even sure what happened, but the important part is LAFC kept the ball out of the net. Philly, what in the heck happened in the 89th minute? Well, my life, your life, all of our lives flashed before our very eyes Ooh. when Gignac had a ball in the box and it ping pong, man. It was a chaotic version of ping pong. The ball was here. The ball was there. The ball was off Ilya. The ball was just this way. And it came back. The ball almost went out of play. And then the ball finds its way back in front of Andre Pierre Gignac for another shot. And he just misses wide. That was a very scary moment. Max comes off his line. And uh, we have a wide open net. Thankfully, Ilya was there. Thankfully, there was no hands on the ball. Thankfully, there was no fouls on the box. Thankfully, Gignac missed the target. There were a lot of thankfullies. And the soccer gods got to be in your corner at that point, especially after being denied for that stupid little infraction moments later. That was really, really stinking close. Tigres had the man that they wanted in the box doing it, had a couple shots on goal, but we got so lucky that that chaotic version of pinball ended the way it did. Phew. Yeah, speaking of uh, pinball cha- chaotic players, Luis Quinones coming out. Luis Quinones? Yeah, Luis Quinones coming out Yeah, he in sucks. the 90th minute for Samir Caetano. Uh, I just, man, I don't like Quinones. So Samir obviously coming in for defensive purposes, trying to hold the nil-nil lead. Seven minutes of stoppage, and as soon as they showed seven minutes on the board, the 32-52 absolutely erupted. I think that was the loudest. They were all matched, maybe with the exception of the opening minute or so. The 32-52 took it to a whole new level, and the rest of the stadium, like I said earlier in our intro, all joined in, hoping to will, propel, just do everything they can 
to push this black and gold club forward. Really proud of 3252. Giorgio on Gignac in that first minute. Little 1v1 defending masterclass by Giorgio Chiellini. I, in case you haven't figured it out, I love Giorgio Chiellini. Denis Bawanga with a steal off of a corner in the fourth minute. And here he goes. He's gone. Woo! Nope. Couldn't get anything going. And the whole stadium just getting louder and louder and louder. But Philly, what turned out to be a rather, uh, I don't know, is, is unpivotal? Not pivotal? Not pivotal. Not a big deal. Substitution happens in the sixth minute. That You almost heard the, look, he's from Philadelphia, so I can say it. You almost heard the Rocky music. When he went down to go warm up, the North End started to erupt. Number 77, John McCarthy trying to rekindle glory from the 2022 MLS Cup final. Of course, we're going to bring in John for PK's Philly in the sixth minute. I mean, the stadium, the energy, it, it took a while for everybody to realize what was going on. But once we saw John McCarthy warming up, we knew Philly. Power it up. We're getting ready. It's it's gonna. We're trying to get this to PKs. Yeah, I didn't want it to go to PKs, and I honestly did not think we would go to PKs. I hate it when it gets to PKs because, well, the best team doesn't always win. And while you know PKs giveth a trophy, uh, PKs taketh an opportunity away for us. But before we even got into PKs, there Woo! were fireworks at the end of the game, at the end of regulation, before uh, the, the the champion was crowned. I don't so I don't know what happened leading up to it because I didn't have my eyes on there. But supposedly, from what I had heard, Steve was in on the Tigres side of things, obviously trying to give instruction. I think Maxime walked by, and then all of a sudden, fireworks started happening. Man, I saw Guzman getting in there. Obviously, with him, it's a, it's always psychological warfare. The guy's going to get underneath your skin because he is that practitioner of the dark arts. Without a doubt, if we're talking Harry Potter world, that dude's slithering through and through, hanging out and having beers with Voldemort, laughing at their magic tricks. But then what was wilder about it is the coaching staff started getting into it. And then Paul started getting into it with one of the coaches on TV. And then Paul gets ejected from the game by the officials. How in the frick can our head of security get escorted and told to go out off the pitch when it's his job to protect things? I'm going to say that there was a lot of things that happened that were out of line on the Tigres side, probably some things on our end that were that way as well. But in that chaos, in that chaos, as that psychological warfare was happening, what I did notice was Maxime Capo doing his thing and try to settle things. But I did notice John McCarthy there. I believe he was probably with Oled Oka Nikolov getting warmed up. And I thought, if anything, this would bode well in our favor because at least now John has some more time to get himself warm because he came into the game cold. Came into Canadian the game cold. Did not play any minutes. Yeah. Canadian, well, he played like the last, I don't know, 30 seconds. Whatever. Nothing, nothing really happened. Canadians are supposed to be polite, well-mannered. Maxime Cropot was ready to take on anybody in that huddle, in that fight. And I believe it was Nahuel Guzman that said something. Then a coaching staff member came over, took four or five guys. That's why Paul was in there in the first place. He was trying to drag Maxime Cropot out of there, who was all hot and bothered and hot-tempered. But you know what? Somebody stuck a fly in Paul's maple syrup as well, and Paul got right back in there. I'm talking hand-to-hand with one of those Tigres coaches, and then all of a sudden it took four or five people because that's what it takes to either take down Chuck Norris or to push Paul out of a pile and that's exactly what happened 
everybody storming that little bench area over there. It was absolutely ridiculous on the part of Tigres. Uh, Maxime Cropot trying to come off the pitch. Guzman saying something because he's an absolute prick. And, and look, <sighs> at the end of the day, it was all for naught. None of it mattered. Paul getting ejected was surreal. We saw Paul walking out of the tunnel at the end of the match. He looked pissed. Paul Apodaca, you are a golden god, my friend. We here at Defenders of the Bank love you. And whatever the fine is, Philly will pay it. Don't worry. He told me it's it's it's, it's taken care of. It's in the mail. If there's a fine, Philly's got it. Philly, no Carlos Vela as he comes out with the substitution. It's going to be interesting to see who takes the third, fourth, or maybe even fifth PKs if it gets there. But when we get to PKs, more dark arts from that douche in gold, Nahuel Guzman. He takes forever to get out there on the pitch. And Drew Fisher is right there. He's supposed to be out on the pitch. Drew just hold up the yellow card and walk away. And if he continues to do the shenanigans, do the absolute BS that he was doing out there on the pitch, then you give him a second yellow and you ask the backup to get in there between the pipes. You absolutely lost control of the match several times earlier. And when you could sack up and actually do something in this match to Nahuel Guzman, you blew it. Drew Fisher, you suck. Yeah. You get swim with the fishes. Call your Gambino <laughs> buddies. Like he, he was it was Steve said something very um interesting. Like <laughs> maybe I'll wait for it to, to at the very end, but sure. just, just leave wait wait for the end or say it now. Yeah, whatever. Hey, you know what? It's your world. We're just living in it. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll wait for for afterwards. Yeah, no, he Look, you said it. I like it when you speak this way. He, he was a prick and a douche. Screw <laughs> Guzman. Screw him royally. So as he takes his time, you're going to send your best player, your most lethal player in that situation, 12 yards from 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 glory, if you will. And you kind of have to wonder whether or not, look, we, we rarely go into PKs. It doesn't happen yeah. very often. How much did it hurt us having Carlos Vela come off in the 70th-ish minutes? Could that have really been a, a difference maker? Because look. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it wasn't. Maybe Steve actually had the uh, the foregone conclusion that the captain, as great as he is, not great in situations where, you know, he's 12 yards in front of a keeper. So while people are thinking that he might have been the difference maker, I'm tending to think that not so much because he has had plenty of instances where he gets caught. But to start things off. We have Denny, we have Guzman. Denny, no problem. Clinical, shoves that sucker right down Guzman's effing throat. We're up one to nothing. And then the Frenchman himself makes the long walk. Andre Pierre Gignac gets up there. And as he's going to do time and time again, he equalizes. Okay, no big deal. Uh, J-Mac is going to get one here and there, but no problem because We've got the German guy up front, baby. Timothy Tillman coming through. Walk us through what the hell happened there, Scott. Yeah, Philly, I think uh, – I'm going to say this. I think Andre Pierre Gignac's PK got in Timothy Tillman's head a little bit. Andre Pierre Gignac went right down the middle with his PK attempt. Eh, maybe not right, right down the middle, but down the middle enough. And I think Timothy Tillman saw that and said, well, shoot, if Guzman is going to commit as hard as John McCarthy just committed, I'm going to go right down the middle as well. And Guzman committed, but he didn't commit, commit. And so what winds up happening oh, is that Timothy Tillman tries to go right down the middle. And look, uh, I, I'm blanking on Bob Miller. 
Bob Miller, the great Kings broadcaster for years and years and years. Bob Miller, I believe it was the one who coined the phrase kick save and a beauty. That's right. It was a kick save and a beauty by Timothy Tillman. All the hockey people, by the way, if I get that wrong, we're going to be absolutely flooded in our DMs. Thanks for that. Nicely done, JR. I don't but know Bob if we Miller, have that many hockey-loving fans, Scarf. Well, we got, we got Punk. He's out there. He's listening. Uh, look, it, it was a beautiful kick save. <sighs> so frustrating. Not a great attempt. By Timothy Tillman. I, I'm never a fan, by the way. And look, the scarf, hi. I couldn't score a PK if my life depended on it. Maybe, maybe I could. Yes, Billy. Apparently, it's a term that was coined by Marv Albert. Kick save and a beauty? I'm looking at it right here. Wow. Marv Albert also dressed like a woman that one time. Um, yeah. Look. Marv Albert, his signature play-by-play phrase, kick save and a beauty over his years as the Rangers broadcaster. Oh, wow. Well, that's why you didn't know about it, because you were watching Islanders games instead of Rangers games. Uh, Timothy Tillman, not a great effort. I can't make a PK to save my life, but I would always aim for a corner, not down the middle, because the goalie starts out in the middle. Anyways, uh, Ibanez. Not, not, the, not, not related to the Qatar family. Not related to Ibanez. Not related to Raul Ibanez, former Seattle Mariners outfielder for quite some time. Ibanez, look, if you're going to take a PK and you're going to do what he did, you're going to score every single time. It was an absolutely picture-perfect roof corner, a roof PK. Roof, roof PK? I feel like that's a, a French defenseman that might have played on some of those Marv Albert Rangers teams. Uh, an absolutely roofed PK by Ibanez, and that is exactly how you are supposed to do it. A perfect PK. And now Philly, we've each taken two, but unfortunately LAFC has only made one. We need J-Mac to do something. But first, we need the MLS Cup hero to do something for us. Yeah, and after watching that Continental Tire commercial time and time again, we know Elias Sanchez is clinical. <laughs> this goalkeeper is smart, but he is hesitant. And uh, yeah, hesitant he was. Not. <laughs> I am not. Ilya Sanchez took care of business much like he did to secure our first ever MLS Cup title. No questions, no problems there. Two to two. And then Guido Pizarro stepping up to the plate. He smashes it home to put Tigres up three to two. And I I got to blame a lot of these on, uh, on J-Mac because I feel like he got close on so many occasions. But yeah, the one that I could say for a fact he had no shot in hell at saving was Ibanez. Yeah, uh, look, Pizarro, a much better opportunity to do so, whatever. But now we have Ryan Hollingshead stepping up to the plates. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> I like it. Philly, he, John guessed right on Pizarro. Yeah. I, I think actually Pizarro just caught it too well. Yeah. I don't think there's anything John was going to do. Uh, look, if Timothy Tillman's PK effort was bad, R- Ryan's was worse. Uh, it w- It's tough. Look, Ryan Hollingshead, one of the greatest scoring defensemen defenders defensemen's hockey defenders in mls history one of the greatest score a former forward at ucla right down the middle and and i don't often say this philly about pks but that was an easy save by nahuel guzman an easy save and I know the ball actually popped back right up to where Ryan Hollingshead was. Ryan caught the ball, put it against his head or his chest, and just was so frustrated with the effort. And the unfortunate part with that, Philly, obviously, is that coming up on round four for Tigres, all they needed was for Angulo 
to put it into the back of the net. And John's going to be seeing this one in his sleep. John guessed exactly right. Angulo went exactly where he thought it was going to. But unfortunately, instead of diving parallel with the ground, he kind of jumped over the ball a little bit. Like I could do anything that I'm saying he couldn't do there. And Angulo scores. And we have to watch another club celebrate another trophy at BMO Stadium. I was just sick to my stomach for those guys because they had really done everything they had to do to send that game to PKs and potentially earn the Campeones Cup. Yeah, no, I mean, I said my piece about all that in the very beginning of this pod, how I feel like I'm not angry. I'm just gutted and disappointed, shell-shocked. I mean, this game had, for the, I guess, not innocent, uh, impartial or neutral bystander, if you will. They got treated to a really good game because it was, in fact, a really good game. You had the champion of Liga Mekis, Tigres, and the champion of Major League Soccer. Hopefully, you know, for a little while longer anyway. Uh, maybe if we're lucky. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'll get onto that later. But, yes, it was a great game. Had all the drama. Had all the buildup, the anticipation, the jubilation, the disappointment, the heartbreak, the, the old crap are going to PKs, and then the result that didn't go in our favor. And, yeah, our boys played hard. I would prefer to have games like this. Well, not trophy games, but more games like this where they play hard uh, and they give it their all. And, honestly, they really, for the most part, have – in a lot of matches. I mean, the problem this team it isn't defensively. Look, we've gone through three teams, three very talented teams, and not allowed a single goal in regulation. That speaks volumes. St. Louis, one of the highest scoring teams in Major League Soccer. Clean sheet. Uh, the Philadelphia Union, whatever. Belame Ophelia. All you want, still. Maxime Cripo didn't have to um, walk away with uh, with anything but a clean sheet. And honestly, we clean-sheeted the hell out of a really good Tigres team. The problem remains that we cannot execute in the final third. And if it's not Denny or Carlos, it's nobody. And that's a problem. I love Ryan Hollingshead. He's two goals away from tying Graham Zuzzi for the all-time lead in terms of defenders scoring goals in Major League Soccer. Some pretty awesome accolades. Pretty darn awesome. But when your defender's the third leading scorer, and look, yeah, he was top five, top six in our team last season as well. That's an issue. When you have Denny Buanga scoring 27 goals across all competitions as your biggest threat, therein lies a problem. We can play defensively very well. But, you know, in the past, we had a team that would score a ton of goals, but also let in a ton of goals. This season, it's pro- it's going to end up being our lowest output, period, in terms of goals I think we're sitting on 44-ish in the Major League Soccer regular season. That's not a lot. Granted, we haven't led in that many, but that's still not a lot. Can't put everything on Denny because if he's going to have a bad game and he's had some bad stinkers of games, is our office office just completely anemic? Yeah, and and therein lies the problem. So whatever this issue is with Mario Gonzalez, I, I hope it's an injury thing. Because if it's a brain thing, well, then great. Where have we been where we've had a million-dollar leg and a 10-cent head? Where have you heard us say that before? Oh, yeah, that guy's playing now at Club America. God forbid we see him and that team in action around here uh, ever again. But, yeah, it's just, just so disappointing losing at home. It, it gets under my skin. It's really gotten under my skin seeing two trophies celebrated in front of our faces on our own pitch. 
I didn't stick around for the Leon game, Scarf. As you know, Panda and I quickly bounced. Yeah. Stuck around for this one. And with this, it was like that rusty screwdriver going in in a place, being twisted, and not feeling very, very good. I will say, though, the Tigres fans, at least the ones in our neck of the woods, in our section, weren't as obnoxious and in our face like the Leon supporters were. Yeah, look, if you count stoppage time, we're at just about 300 minutes since our last goal. 300 minutes since our last goal. Timothy Tillman in the 84th minute against Carson on September 16th. Nil-nil against St. Louis. Nil-nil against Philadelphia. Nil-nil against Tigres. But, Philly, you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, to me, what is our biggest ray of sunshine, our biggest reason for hope, and this is the oddest thing to say about an LAFC club, our ray of hope lies on the backs of our back line. If you look at the way that our back line played today, they played great. Our back line Philly, correct me if I'm wrong, three shots on target today total. And I know Hurricane Ophelia, Tropical Storm yep. Ophelia, Tropical Storm Ophelia limited Philadelphia more than our defense limited Philadelphia, but zero shots on target in that match. And then against St. Louis, St. Louis is a very good team. St. Louis is a very good team. And yet we hold them nil-nil in a game where we really didn't allow all that much on the back line. In fact, if I remember correctly, they had just four shots on target. So you're talking about six shots on target allowed, period, over our last three games. Look, Brad Johnson and Trent Dilfer have Super Bowl rings. Brad Johnson and Trent Dilfer have Super Bowl rings. That's because from time to time, defense wins championships. You know what travels all across the country despite going 30,000 miles and a total of I don't know how long it was that we did? Do you know what travels up to Vancouver in the Champions League? Do you know what travels over to Austin in just a couple of weeks, actually a, like a week and a half? Defense. Giorgio Chiellini, Aaron Long, Jesus Murillo, Chiki Palacios, Ryan Hollingshead, Sergi Palencia, Daniil Maldonado. You can say what you want to say about this club and our lack of accomplishing damn near anything inside the 18 recently. And it has been rough since that Carson match. But what we lean on is that back line, Maxime Cropot has three clean sheets in his four appearances this season. Maxime Cropot is not the problem. The back line is not the problem. Everything moving forward, all right. We may have a problem. But what I am hanging my hat, I know I'm not wearing a hat, but what I'm hanging my hat on is that over the last four matches of the regular season, beginning with another Chicho Arango homecoming on Sunday, October 1st, what I am hanging my hat on is, I'm calling it, our last four matches, Philly, we will not give up four goals. Fewer than four goals in our last four matches. Watch what LAFC does. Watch how they circle the wagons. Watch how they rally the troops in these final four matches. 
I love your optimism. I can't say I share it at this moment in time because this is not the LAFC team that started off this season red hot and on fire on a mission. This is a team right now that needs to find its identity and find its identity quickly. We saw how demoralized they were after losing that game to Leon. Very, very much demoralized. In fact, you can say like that was the... uh, the splitting of the season, if you will. Had we won CONCACAF Champions League, we might have been psychologically a completely different team. Sure, we could argue that there were a League's Cup games that were exciting and that we came out after these big losses and put up a touchdown on a team like FC Juarez, but in reality, FC Juarez is a team that we probably should put more than two, three goals on. It's. Uh, I, I hope they can find it within themselves to make this push because... I mean, all right, fine. Call the U.S. Open Cup what you want. Call the uh, the Champions League final what you will. Call the Campiones Cup and the League's Cup what you will. Before opportunities to pull trophies and nothing. Supporter shield, that goes out the window. Yes, the hope still remains that we can clinch the West and obviously a berth in the Champions League and have another go round at it. But the question really lies not so much in who the coach is and what the coaching staff dictates, but in the hearts and in the minds of the players. This one's going to be tough to rebound from. They're going to have to lick their wounds and get back up because RSL is going to be a tough team. Minnesota is going to be a tough team. Austin, regardless of how they put up a crap game and let the Galaxy back in, on the road, a tough team. Vancouver, a tough team. Those are our four games. And we could easily slide out of the top four into the bottom half of the playoffs if we don't get our heads out of our rear ends and start scoring some freaking goals soon. This is going to be whether this right here, this final stretch is going to be an indicator as to whether or not this team deserves it because they're going to have to play with heart right now because they have to get out of their minds. It's going to be heart that propels them through. Now, Steve said like he likes being in these situations. You know, you play to be in these situations, but it is gut-wrenching losing every opportunity you have at adding more trophies in that trophy case. And it is what players play for. Let's not kid ourselves. It's also what teams and businesses play for because there's money involved in all this. And while Campeones Cup might not mean much to many of y'all out there, these teams played like it really did mean something much. And hats off to Tigres. They're the only Liga Amekis team that hoist this trophy, and unfortunately, they hoisted it twice, 2018 and now this year, 2023, against us. So I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, and someone will because that's how the internet works. I'm pretty sure that we can clinch a playoff berth with a win against RSL. We are currently in second in the West, 45 points. Sporting Kansas City is on 38. Minnesota's on 37. They're 10th and 11th. If we win against RSL, it would take a monumental effort for either of those clubs to pass us. Minnesota, I I had the schedule up, and now, of course, my, my computer doesn't want to pay attention. There we go. Minnesota plays at home against San Jose. And Sporting plays on the road against St. Louis. It's very simple, folks. If they lose those two clubs and we win, now all of a sudden we we clinch a playoff berth. We begin to 
we begin to put a stranglehold on a top two, maybe three, maybe four spot in MLS, we have everything to play for. And I'm saying this right now. If we don't beat RSL, Minnesota, Austin, and Vancouver, and I'm saying all four of those matches, I know. We play Sunday, October 1st, Wednesday, October 4th, Saturday, October 7th. Yeesh. That's three matches in seven days. But if we don't win those, what do we think we're going to do in the playoffs anyway? What do we think we're going to do if we're struggling with the likes of Minnesota and Austin, two teams that are 11th and I think 12th or 13th in the standings? If we're going to be great, we need to be great starting this damn next game against RSL. And now there's a, a gremlin. Philly's got, got an emotional support Hagrid with me right now. I love it. We need all the emotional support we can get. We have four matches left in MLS's regular season. Y'all, I've said it, and I know you agree, and I know Philly agrees. For this season, 2023, to be any type of a success, it's MLS Cup or bust, people. That's it. I wish I could share your optimism. You're right. Uh, I don't really have anything else to say. I'm cashed. I want to go to bed and I want to wake up as if like this was a bad dream and not have to think about this anymore. And you know how we like to end each and every one of our 277 episodes here on Defenders of the Bank, the only LAFC podcast heard in 105 countries worldwide. Hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.